I have a PhD in psychology and a graduate certificate in women's studies. So I've been very interested in like systems and hierarchy and freedom. And so for a while it was, I want freedom from certain things or certain belief systems or certain ways of thinking. And then it was freedom for, freedom for this particular group or this particular generation. And then it was freedom to, to do certain things. And now it's just like, wait, 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 like, I just am freedom. That's it. Like, I'm free. It's, it's not for, it's not from, it's not to. It's just free. Hello and welcome to my podcast. I'm Kat and this is obviously Kat's podcast. For those of you who are listening for the first time, this is the Freedom Lifestyle Edition. It's where I invite people who live in an unconventional way and driven by a quest for freedom. Coming from my own life experience and seeing so many inspiring examples, my aim is to break through common perceptions and to show that there are different ways to live, that we are not restricted to a certain path or to some limited ideas that became mainstream. We all have the potential to live freely and truly empowered. My guests and I share this strong bond to live freely, showing you many versions of it. Now to today's show. My guest is Maribel. She's a yoga teacher in Washington, D.C., and it was actually her poetry that hit home for me. Freedom, it spoke to me. True freedom. I instantly knew I had to have her on my podcast, and that's why I'm so grateful she said yes. Her training as a psychologist in social-emotional development and women's studies, as well as her intensive yoga practice, along with her travels, equip her to analyze some of the deeper roadblocks we come across in our lives. Long-held beliefs about ourselves that prevent us from growing and going beyond our usual comfort zone. Or past emotions that we drag along and that keep us from living a deeper freedom. We are talking about all of this paired with some practical tips you can apply in your daily life to create more freedom and happiness. And of course, Marie Bell's sharing how she got to saying, I am freedom. This is the first episode I'm bringing to you from beautiful Bali. Enjoy. So welcome to Kat's podcast, Maribel. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm happy so actually I should have said Selamat Pagi because I'm on Bali and it's It's morning time here. It's 10 a.m. and you're in Washington, D.C., right? Yeah, and it is 9 p.m. over here. So yes. Yeah, it's 9 o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Working out the time zones. So, mm -hmm. Bali, I know you've been here a lot of times and your next yoga teacher training will be in Bali as well. So, what does Bali mean to you? How does it make you feel? Bali for me is very expansive, very nurturing. Every time I land in Bali, I feel like I'm wanted there. It feels like being in a womb and being like very well cared for. Like I love the food. I love the people. I love the scenery. Um, my first experience with uh, Bali was Ubud. So it's very lush, very green, very fertile and artistic. And um, just stepping into a vortex of like artists and healers and people like really following through on what they want to be doing and how they want to be doing it. 
So for me, it's constant inspiration. My mm. first time I went for two months and I practiced um, Ashtanga there. And then gradually, every time I go, I just stay longer and bring people with me. Um, and everyone who ever joins in Bali is amazing. So I'm very, very grateful for Bali. Yeah, and mm. I'll be back in January. I was just there in September and I hosted a 10-day retreat and I arrive early and leave later. And I'll do the same thing for January. I'll get there a bit earlier and hang out and train. Mm. There is such a creative vibe to it or such a good energy. I, I totally feel the same and especially with Ubud. And I'm now in Changu at the moment and I was just comparing it and talking um, to someone about it. And there's just this certain vibe or just real good energy to, to Ubud that mm -hmm. makes you... Yeah, for me, it's just a really good creative space I can be in there. Yeah, no, I was talking to some of my friends about it. For me, at first, I thought it was, or I said it was more a culture imbibed with offerings. So their whole culture, they're always making offerings to their gods, to the gods above, to the gods below, to everything. And so if you, if one were to make offerings 30 times a day, you know, the whole personality changes or even the way that, Like when people smile at me there, it feels like it's a really big, true smile. And the presentation is so artistic. And um, I was talking to one of my friends about it the other day. And she said that Bali is technically an island where the artisans escaped to. So when everything was going on, a lot of artists moved there, a lot of craftsmen. And so you see that generations and generations later. It's just a, a lot of artists. So I love it. It makes me very happy. Yeah, it does. So um, for the listeners, I came across you through an online yoga platform, you could say. It's called Omstars. And I took like a mini session with you. And I was like instantly drawn to you by your calming voice and your way to teach. And then when I started following you on Instagram and read your poetry, the notion of freedom shown through and that was when I knew you'd be perfect for this podcast um, mm. I want to start with the with a little short poem of you and yeah I'm just gonna read it out I claim my space I own my time I am my own authority anything less than this won't do do you recall writing these words Oh, for sure. For sure. I feel like this has been in my heart for a really long time and it took a while for me to actually express it. Um, I've been traveling for a while and I remember one of my teachers, um, he, it, he, we would do satsang, which is to sit in the presence of truth. And then a teacher just speaks from the heart. And this particular teacher, his name's Muji. And he would talk at different time points. And I remember someone said, what authority do you have to say that? And he was like, I am my own authority. Like, I have my own experience. I, I'm speaking directly from experience. I'm speaking directly from my own life. How much more authority can I have over myself? And that spoke to me a lot. And then that's where I wrote from because a lot of my practices are like, um, okay, who gives you the authority to teach that? Or being good enough or being worthy or being a good student. And then gradually it's just like, no, I'm fully integrated. It's my turn to contribute. It's my turn to integrate everything I've learned, every technique, and share it from a place of 
true embodiment, which for me is freedom. And so for me, I train a lot in very particular disciplines. And then from there, I expand. I teach in a little bit more um, panoramic way. But yeah, to actually stand up and say, I am my own authority. I'm speaking from direct experience. I'm not speaking from books, um, although I could refer to books. You know, I don't need to quote anymore. Um, and I feel like that was a gradual progression for me. For a long time, I felt I needed to be a particular way. And um, in the last few years, I've been stepping more and more into being like, no, this is me. This is my space. This is my time. Um, I can share from direct experience. And that experience can be messy. It can be elegant. And it's mine. <laughs> so, yeah. And then when I've been stepping into that, it's where I write from. So, um, yeah. And then a lot of my training, too, not just on a physical level, but intellectually, um, I have a PhD in psychology and a graduate certificate in women's studies. So I've been very interested in, like, systems and hierarchy and freedom. And so for a while, it was I want freedom from certain things or certain belief systems or certain ways of thinking. And then it was freedom for, freedom for this particular group or this particular generation. And then it was freedom to, to do certain things. And now it's just like, wait, 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 like, I just am freedom. That's it. Like, I'm free. It's, it's not for, it's not from, it's not to, it's just free. <laughs> so it's been a, quite a cool process. Yeah, it, it does sound like that. And it's, it's an awesome development. And just looking at it from these different perspectives. Mm -hmm. I also loved what you were saying about who's the authority or what qualifies you and that it's actually life experience that can make you this authority. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's just like my practice speaks for itself or my life has guided me to these words, to this, and I'm speaking from direct experience, from embodiment. Um, and it is a process because at first I was just learning and it was very cerebral, very intellectual, theoretical. And then the application process was a little bit messy or a little bit um, sidetracked. And then gradually, once the two coincide, it's amazing. And it's like, oh, I have integrated everything. So, yeah, it's gradually embodying the principles or whether it's principles of alignment, physical or just understanding it to a deeper level and just being that so <laughs> yeah that's beautiful I love it and it's mm -hmm. also very close to the philosophy or the yeah the philosophy of yoga right where you integrate everything yeah 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 um yeah like when I was first taught yoga the definition that was given to me is um yoga is yoking or uniting and that was nice to begin with But then gradually I started studying a little bit deeper and it was like yoga is a realization that there was no separation to begin with. Uh, and then from there is where I was like, whoa, okay. Um, so it's not about, there was nothing ever to unite. It was just removing all the veils that make us think that there is separation or removing all the layers that make us think we're not worthy or we don't have anything to share or it's not time yet um yeah <laughs> but for sure I've been learning a lot of this through yoga and for me it's a lot of non-dualism as well so it's not about like right and wrong it's just 
it's all good. And we can express from levels of being aligned or we can share from misalignment. And then that's where all the mixes and all the different flavors come from. Mm. I love this notion of sharing from, yeah, kind of an integrated life experience and from a place of alignment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And before we started recording, I was sharing a little bit about how compartmentalized my life was, you know, like whether it was the academic side or the yoga side. And then again, you use the word integration. It's just gradually all these parts, the academic, the intellectual, the athlete, the anthropologist, the mystic, the artist, all these areas just combine to really like to have something to share, to really express or write. Um, I didn't see it as poetry, so it's really beautiful to hear you say that. You yeah. Know, you read this poem. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. That was just like something I wrote real quick. But yeah. Yeah, to me, it's poetry because it's, it can be a lot of words, but it also can be just a few words expressing mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. in a very deep way. And I think if you're resonating with this on the other side, you, uh -huh. you can read between the lines and there's so much more coming with it. And so, yeah, the words are just transporting this way, way bigger message. Thank you so much for reading that. Often I never know, like, if people actually read these things anymore. It's just like, whether it's just like a like on a picture. Um, but I've been sharing a lot of myself on there. Um, and it's gone through processes of trying to be a particular way or trying to be the tutorial person or the entertainer or whatever. And then recently I've just been, like, sharing what I feel like sharing. This is what's going on in my life. How can I share it in a way that more people could feel rather than um, give too many details as to what specifically is going on. You know, I don't mm. want to make it too personalized and um, identified. Uh, I'm always trying to see what the bigger connecting experience is. And that's where I'm writing from. It's just like, okay, um, it's time to step up. It's time to contribute. It's time to share. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. So. Mm. And it took a while it took a long time but yeah. I totally get it and it's interesting you're saying it's not so it doesn't get too personal with the details and on the other hand I find if you're sharing words in that way you're also very personal probably mm -hmm. just on mm -hmm. another level but you're sharing a lot I think Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I feel like that with a lot of my teachers and loving kindness meditation or in mindfulness is just being aware of these tendencies and human, just being human emotions of being um, of really deep emotions of like whether it's sadness or resentment or anger or grief or happiness or joy and just really owning them. And it's just like, wait, this is part of being human. This is part of being raw and I accept myself. And part of accepting myself has been sharing from there. So again, when I share, it's not so much to gossip or to place blame because I've had people asking me how to share without oversharing. I'm like, huh, I wonder. Um, I really try to see a bigger picture. All the while, behind the scenes, I'm crying. Or <laughs> behind the scenes, I'm like very identified with the current situation. But gradually, I'm, I'm stepping away and being like, okay, what, what am I here to learn? Um, recently, I forget who it was that said it. I think it was Jack Cornfield said, whatever is in your way 
is actually your way. It's not in your way. And it's this impatience of the human to be like, wait, like things must be my way. And it's like, no, 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 this is the way. You are on the right path. It's just that this is what you get to deal with in this present moment. Um, so it's been kind of, it's been really beautiful to see it that way. Um, and yeah, I'm happy. I'm so happy it resonates with you because a lot of times I write, I have so many journals with so many words. And then I just pick out maybe two sentences from one page and three sentences from the other. But all the other details are left behind. <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't need to know who or what. But this is the general um, suffering piece, or this is the general redemptive piece, or this is the general empowering aspect of it. It's so funny because I'm so the same. I have also all these like journals and notebooks and sometimes I share a bit. Yeah, but it is just three sentences out of a morning journaling or something. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, um, sharing without oversharing what you just mentioned. Oh, it's such a, it's a re-emergent topic for me as well because I want to share, but then I'm so I'm kind of afraid that I share too much or that I'm probably that I'm too vulnerable or something. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a process and it's a, uh, yeah. 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 And I, it's just, I feel like it's a very personalized process because part of, for me has also been like, wait, vulnerability is the poet. Like that's where beautiful poetry comes from. That's where beautiful writing comes from is like deep vulnerability that people can feel. <laughs> like sometimes when I read what I write, I like get teary-eyed if I read it out loud. It's like, wait, this came from a deep space inside of my heart. Um, and this is like deeply resonant with human, you know, human tenderness. But um, with the oversharing, I mean, that would be my journal. <laughs> like I wrote so much in my journal and I left it in Bali. It's in the scooter. And my friend and I were talking about it. She was oh, like, do you cool. think anyone read it? <laughs> And I was like, well, whoever read it needed to read it. And there's a lot of details in there. Um, and it was really nice to not feel like ashamed or like scared that someone might know my deepest secrets because it was kind of like, it didn't have my name on it. It was just a random journal left in a scooter in Bali and I will never see it again. But I remember writing a lot of things with tears in my eyes. And I was like, I don't think I need to share this. <laughs> you know, like this will be like, If I would have shared it, the person I was writing, you know, the experiences I was writing about would have known. And so it was really beautiful that I got left in the scooter because I got all the feelings and all of the darkness out. And then I rewrote from what I could remember. You know, once I stepped out of the darkness, it was like, oh, okay. Um, I am my own authority. I own my space. I own, you know, this is what I feel. Done. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Writing is so personal for me. I've always written since I was like seven or eight. I had journals and I would always, always write. And I went through this traumatic period where like I found out my parents were reading it. And so then I just oh. stopped writing up until like mid 20s when I had to write my dissertation. And then I started writing again. So it was really interesting for my dissertation and my thesis. I wrote a thousand words a day. So my mentor got me back in the habit of writing but it was my laptop. And so at that point, I just started saving everything on my laptop, whether it was personal or professional, it didn't matter. And um, I'm really grateful for that process. I became a writer again. And so I've kind of taken that on now and I, I write every day. Um, it's not always, often it's with a pen, 
I, I like I like holding a pen and I like writing on paper. Um, it's very important to me to have paper on me. And then I also write on my laptop. And sometimes I transcribe on the phone um, if I'm hiking and something comes to me. But yeah, it's writing for me is a huge healing aspect. I've never burned any letters. Um, and I've never written the letters that some people may, may suggest to write. I, but I do write for myself, to myself. Um, one of the parts of healing for me and maybe even freedom was one of my mentors was talking to me and she was like, you need to be the parents you never had, or you need to be the best friend you've always wanted. And there are certain things. So certain ways I write is things I need to read or things I've always needed someone to tell me or things I've always needed to hear someone feel without them feeling ashamed about it. So a lot of my friends, my best friends are very different than me. And this is like, whoa, you handled that emotion so differently. Vulnerability again. This is like where something for me would like kill me. For them, it's just like, no, 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 this is fine. You know, I'm, I'm not going to take on the role of a forgiving person. I'm actually quite upset. <laughs> I was like, whoa, to own your feelings. That's a whole nother level of power. Um, and not put it on someone else either. But, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um, what you just said about writing is, is um, such a healing tool. I find the same healing and it brings so much clarity. And every time I write, things just become so clear and I feel better afterwards. Maybe also because mm -hmm. it's me, it's part of my personality and just what I do. Um, yeah. So I like that you um, also connected to freedom or that it is part of your freedom. Mm -hmm. And this is also what it makes it so applicable for if, if people feel drawn to it, this could be like a tool for freedom in your life, which you could apply just right here and now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 I agree. What was the motivation for your freedom lifestyle? Did you always live and feel this way or was there a decisive moment or experience that made you change your life? Um, so when I was quite young, my father joined the military. And so I traveled a lot. My father was in the Air Force. So we moved every two to four years. And for me, I've always felt a little bit of an outsider, not in a lonely way, just in a very observational, like social psychologist way, where I always noticed where I belonged. And I always noticed where I didn't quite fit in. And so for me, I've always been pretty good at moving around, at stepping into new environments and being a brand new person if I wanted to. And then fast forward to adulthood, like um, probably in 2012 or 13 is when I started going to India. And I bought a one-way ticket to India. At the time, I was going through like really deep heartache, <laughs> a very um, sad breakup. And my career just felt... Um, that I wasn't really, I wasn't fulfilled professionally or romantically or financially or any aspect. I was at a point where I was just like, wait, 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 there's no way I'm going to live forever and ever like this. There's just no way. And um, so I broke off my engagements and just bought a one-way ticket to India. And I decided to start investing in myself. Um, I didn't invest in a mortgage. I didn't invest in a car. I just bought a one-way ticket and I figured everything would figure itself out um, because India is quite cheap. So the most expensive thing is the flight. Once you're there, 
for me, I was able to stay for six months, no problem. And then just being there and being like, wait, nobody knows me. What if I not the person who's scared? Like, what if this doesn't scare me? What if this doesn't um, embarrass me? Or what if this, and I started playing with different ways of not limiting myself anymore, thinking, what if the opposite of my belief is true? Whether it's my beliefs about myself, what I'm capable of doing, or who I'm capable of approaching. Like, and I started seeing certain personality traits that were no longer serving me, whether it was being shy. It's like, wait, why am I being shy? Like, am I really going to be shy for the next 50 years of my life? Or is that something like I've just gotten really good at? What if I am the person who says, wait, this makes me very uncomfortable. Please don't do this. Or what if I just speak my truth? And so I was able to do that with very little consequences (laughs) because I could easily just never see people again. And I started realizing different ways that I have given my power away. And I was like, whoa, I I barely know this person, but their feelings matter more than mine. Um, So for me, it was a lot of travel, a lot of not fitting in, and and a lot of not knowing anyone. And for me, I really like to be alone Um, because we traveled so much. I felt um, I got really good at being on my own and um, I got really good at moving on or moving out. And so I pack really light. Whenever I travel, I just bring a book bag. It's maybe the size of my torso. If that, it's teeny tiny. It's just like Three yoga pants, three sports bras, and then I'll figure it out. <laughs> wow, so much respect uh, yeah. for that. It's been gradual. My first trip was like three check luggages. <laughs> but now it's just like, no, it's okay. But yeah, so for me, it was travel and movement, not fitting in, and then just realizing I could become anyone I wanted to be. I started learning more about astrology and more about different patterns. And it was like, okay, I've, I've kind of outgrown that way of being. And I felt a lot of the traumas that occurred in my life, I started seeing them as rites of passages. So I was being initiated into another layer of adulthood or another level of being a woman or another layer of being an adult, (laughs) however you wanted to see it. And so I started shifting my narrative and it was a conscious shift. It was a lot of work. Um, and a lot of talking and therapy and um, sharing with other friends who are on the similar path who I could easily just never see again. So, yeah. <laughs> that sounds, um, yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many true things. And it actually is a cool way of, of um of looking at yourself in another way when you're in a completely foreign environment and you can all of a sudden try other sides of you or other, mm-hmm. other behaviors. Little yeah. consequences. It's like, what's the worst that's going to happen? What, there's nothing bad going to happen other than like, I feel uncomfortable for half a second. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of times, even in our like usual environment, there's not really something happening. And I loved when you said, just saying to someone, hey, can you stop doing this, please? Because it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, I got really good at setting boundaries too. But the way I got good at it was by having them violated or having letting people. I remember one time there was this person who came nearby And I was like, I don't know. There's something about him. Every time he comes around, I feel like I lose my power and I just like shrink in his presence. I don't like this. 
And my friend was listening and she was like, I don't see that happening. I'm like, really? She was like, I see you giving up all your power in his presence. I don't see him taking anything. And just her shifting that, I was like, wait, so you say I'm making myself small. And she said, yes, that's what you're doing. And at that point, I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to be me. Like, why am I being such a weirdo around this person just because their energy is so strong and different than mine? Mm. Um, So just also having friends who are observant and honest with me in a way that didn't feel judgmental in any way. It was quite helpful for me. Um, So I met quite a, a bit, like, I usually meet two to three really good friends every time I travel. And we could easily just never see each other for another three to five years. Um, but yeah, it's just deep connections with people. Yeah, definitely. When you're traveling and you meet people, I think you have so much in common that you're in that certain place at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. kind of a deeper connection. And also you maybe only see them for three days. It's like you've known them for years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a very intense experience. And actually interesting about what you just said, setting boundaries, seeing freedom and boundaries, you think it doesn't go together, mm-hmm. but it actually does mm-hmm. really well and it probably yeah. has to. Yeah, and it's a good preservation tool if I want to go for a long time, endurance and stamina. Um, I remember probably in 2013, around the same time I bought the one-way ticket, I decided I was going to say yes to every opportunity that came my way. And I was just going to say yes. If I met someone in Spain and they wanted to host me in Spain, yes, I want to teach there. Sweden, yes, I'll teach there. Germany, yes, I'll teach there. I've never been. I know no one. I don't know sweet. I don't know the language. Um, And then the beautiful thing with saying yes to everything is that's when I got to try out different sides of myself. But then shortly after, I started being like, wait, I have to start saying no to things. (laughs) I think I'm at my limit. I think I'm good. And then I started saying no. And there's so much power in no. Because then it really saves, for me, it really saves my energy for that which I really want to do. And I've just recently started saying no a lot to different collaborations online because it's really just like, wait, I don't enjoy doing that anymore. Um, It's not worth it for me. No, I'm good. But um, here's some people who might want to. So I've learned how to reroute certain offers or how to um, negotiate better because now I can say no. But um, yeah, for me, it's about preservation of energy and time. And I'm very, very, um, I'm a hermit. I really need a lot of time to myself, by myself. And I've realized that I started resenting people when I would say too, yes too much. And I was like, there's no way I'm, I said yes to this meeting and I'm upset about it now. So at that point, I decided I needed to keep my word. And if part of keeping my word means I need to say no, then I need to say no. Um, so boundaries have been really, really helpful for me. Also for my emotional stability. Um, I'm really sensitive. I feel a lot of other people's stuff. (laughs) And so at times it's like, wait, this isn't mine and I need to address this. And actually it's best for me to do my own thing. Um, So it's been really good for emotional stability and then just for feeling heard and feeling at home. Because again, I need to be the person setting, like I said previously, I need to be the parents I didn't have or the best friend I've always wanted, which would always look out for me. And so boundaries are a clear one. 
Yeah, when, when I think of work projects or from where I work or for how long, it's now I'm much more in my power than a few years ago because I know much mm -hmm. more what I want to do. And yeah, that's so much empowerment and freedom. Yeah, because then you, it frees up so much space to do what you actually do want to do, whatever that looks like. Um, yeah, because I noticed I was leaking a lot of energy by writing for this group or by doing this Instagram challenge or by going to this content. It was like, actually, this doesn't work for me. This doesn't work for me. Um, I would follow through on everything I said I was going to follow through. I just wouldn't rebook or I wouldn't, I wouldn't continue a conversation I didn't want to, to have, for example. It was like, okay, now I'm going to go. <laughs> But yeah, I think it gives you a lot of space to do what you really want to do. Yeah, definitely. So um, tell us a little bit about your life and lifestyle. How do you live? How do your days look like? Because you don't have a typical office job. Okay, well, I currently teach yoga full-time and I teach in Washington, D.C., Uh, the practice I do mostly is Ashtanga and it comes from Mysore, India. And so in the mornings I teach what's called Mysore and it's from 6.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. So for two and a half hours, I just open the studio and sit there or, and people come in at their own time. It's basically open gym. Some show up at six, some show up at seven. I'm there until 9 a.m. So so it's like an everyone, open, sorry, it's like an open class and they could come in these two and a half, three hours, mm -hmm. whenever they mm -hmm. want and leave whenever they want? Mm -hmm. They move at their own pace. We're all moving through a similar sequence. That's sun salutation, standing, seated, and closing. And if you show up at seven, you start at seven. If you show up at eight, you start at eight. And as a whole, everyone will begin with primary series. So you're gradually learning a sequence. And then from there, people deviate based on what they're doing physically or how often they're showing up or what their needs are. So for me, it's kind of like offering a private session in a group setting. So let's say you show up, I'm teaching you sun salutations, and then I say, do you understand? Yes. Okay, do 10 of those. I'll be back. And then I go and talk to the person next to you, figure out what's going on with their knee. Um, it's beautiful. It's my favorite way to teach. I get to develop more personal relationships with them. And this is from 6.30 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. And then the rest of my day is clear until 6.30 p.m., so I'm basically free between 9 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. And um, I have a puppy and I have a practice. <laughs> so after I teach, I normally practice for 75 to minutes to two hours, depending on how I feel. And then I go home and hang out with my puppy and eat for two hours. I just sit and eat <laughs> or write and journal. That sounds um, amazing. Or, uh -huh. <laughs> I, because he's an active um, puppy, I take him hiking. I'm also very active, but we go hiking at least three to five times a week. We have 220 acres in our backyard. It's not mine. It's public property, but I, public, I purposefully live near the forest. Yeah, that's um, good. <laughs> yeah. And then at 6.30 p.m., I teach again. So I teach 6.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. But it wasn't always like that. Um, like I shared, I have a PhD in psychology. So my segue from working, I work for the Department of Education. That's what moved me to Washington, D.C. And I was really unhappy. I was sitting in a cubicle uh, writing memos about memos, asking permission to write yet another memo. <laughs> I was really miserable. Everyone there was miserable. Um, 
and I accidentally quit. Like I knew I was going to quit. I knew it was a job that was going to um, make me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like I had a plan. My plan was to work for a year and save for a year. And the money that I saved would help me move to uh, California and I'd become a yoga teacher. Um, And I'd like rebel against the norm. (laughs) But six months early, I quit my job. I just couldn't hold back. I had a really bad day and I was like, I'm done. There's my two weeks notice. I'm done. (laughs) And I went to my cubicle and started crying and I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, the beautiful thing is I have a PhD and I had been applying to other jobs anyways. So I got, um, an offer to teach at George Washington university. So I taught psychology at George Washington university in Washington, DC in the mornings. And let's say that would pay my rent. And then I got yoga at night. Let's say that would pay my groceries. My only goal at first was to break even And so I was doing my best to not go into the red, not be in debt. And then gradually yoga started picking up. I just really loved teaching people. And psychology was going really well too. Um, I really just like teaching people who want to be there and who want to invest in themselves. In psychology, I wouldn't take attendance. In yoga, I don't I don't care if people don't come to class, like you paid for it. Um, So as a whole, I only teach people who want to be there. Um, And so psychology was my first thing. And then um, what happened is I fell in love and moved to Puerto Rico. So I dropped everything. And um, when I got a job offer at the university in Puerto Rico, it didn't financially make sense anymore. At that point, I was already doing well enough with yoga. Um, and the the education system in Puerto Rico is not something I want to involve myself with professionally nor financially. Like what they offered me didn't make any sense. It was like, "Mm, that's not even going to pay my parking tickets. (laughs) So I kind of just stuck with yoga and, um, I just moved back to Washington DC in January and I travel so much, um, with yoga that it doesn't make sense for me to stay with the academic institution anymore. But we'll see how it how it turns out eventually. That's a cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, having these, I think these, um, your PhD in psychology and um, social emotional development, right? Yes, it's yeah. it's a great combination with yoga. How do you see it? Does one like connect well with the other? And there's probably things you can apply from like in one area from the other, and vice versa. For sure, in every aspect. And that's kind of what I think that's where I'm at now. Um, When I first started, I was looking at how our culture affects our beliefs about emotions, how that affects the way we talk about emotions, and how that affects the way we express emotions. And that was more from a cultural perspective. And then I started looking at it from a gender perspective, um, feminine, masculine. And then I was going to do a Harvard Medical School. I was going to do a postdoc there, and I was going to study how yoga affects our beliefs about emotions, how yoga affects the way we talk about emotions, and how it influences the way we express ourselves. Because there's a great level of acceptance and learning to accept what is, and a great level of awareness of the impermanence of emotions, the impermanence of everything. And so with that comes a certain level of emotional regulation 
um, that's not usually taught in schools. And so I'm, I've been very interested in emotion regulation. And um, yeah, so for me, it's been a lot of that. But then it's also stabilized everything else. Um, so now I'm interested in like optimal performance and biohacking and just like reprogramming. Long story short, reprogramming. Reprogramming our beliefs, reprogramming our responses to certain situations and just re reprogramming how we see ourselves and writing the narrative differently or maybe not even needing to write it anymore. Like I don't stick to a script anymore. Um, whether it's a good student or the good Ashtangi or the good teacher is just like, no, I'm just doing my best all the time. That's actually the right buzzword for your next um, piece of poetry. <laughs> yeah, tell me what. The way I interpret it, <laughs> but you can uh -huh. correct me afterwards. So it's, mm -hmm. and the time came when the wounded victim uh -huh. in her healed and she no longer clung to who she once was or who she was expected to be. She no longer feared what was to come nor projected anything into the future. She just knew and trusted She's exactly where she needs to be, who she is unravels and expresses herself in the present moment. Yeah, that one's powerful. That one's beautiful. It that is. One, um, I wrote in Bali, actually. I wrote that one in Ubud and that Ooh. came to me like right after while I was meditating, it was there. And I was like, don't open your eyes. Don't write. Now is the time to just sit. And it just came to me. And for so long, I felt um, wronged or I felt like the world owed me something or God owed me something. Or some, it was just a part of me is wounded. A part of everyone has been wounded. And it was like, wait, like, just drop the wounded victim. Just or obviously, like, nurture her. And she has a right to feel everything she's feeling. But like, there does come a time where we can just be like, wait, like, that doesn't hurt me anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt me anymore. It's kind of like, okay, I moved on. Done. That part of me is done. And now I can just be here because the wounded part of me is in the past, but I'm carrying it with me. Um, and it served its purpose. And it was just really beautiful. I felt I was in a place where I could let go of being hurt, of being the hurt one. And... Um, I'm sure it'll revisit in a different relationship, in a different year, in a different form. But in that moment, I felt very free from the burden of being the victim. And instead, it was just like, wait, like, I'm really free right now. Like, this is done. This relationship is done. This relationship with myself is done. And um, I'm not looking for anything in the future. And the present is quite beautiful. The present is... Um, where all the possibilities are. And my mind isn't, is no longer interested in revisiting the old story in the moment. <laughs> Sometimes it'll revisit it, but now it kind of lost its sting or it lost its intensity. I can talk about it and share about it without crying, for example. And it's just like when, for me, I realized that I had hit that moment. And that moment happens for all of us. This is like, wait, like I didn't, I'm not thinking about that anymore. How interesting. I remember there was a time where I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, and I feel for me, a lot of travel or journeys over long, large bodies of water offer that for me and the practice. 
But that was a deep meditation I had that day. Yeah. And that's such a powerful experience. I mean, that's probably the ultimate freedom. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. one of the ultimate elements of it. Because there's a lot of elements to 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 freedom. But yeah, just, mm -hmm. just letting go of what was and letting go of the past self. And I'm really good at just thinking and thinking and thinking about things and, yeah. and holding on to them. And, but mm -hmm. in the end, it doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. And that's also mind's function. Mind is there to organize, to remember, to plan, to sort things out. And then it's just on this eternal loop, <laughs> like repeating everything. And then after a while, it's just like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with that. I'm in Bali. Like I would have never been in Bali had A, B, and C never happened. I was too scared that this other thing would happen if I left. Um, so I feel at that point that a lot of my, a lot of things were being cleared. And so a big language piece for freedom was um, I stopped feeling blocked. For a long time, I felt blocked and wronged. And recently it was like, no, I was being rerouted. I was thinking too small. I was that, of course, that's not going to be the way it ends up. Like right now, the deck of cards is being shuffled <laughs> and I don't get a say in it just yet. Um, and how wonderful because I can't, for me visually or my vision, I would never have thought I, I was where I am now. Like five or 10 years ago, I remember crying and being like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with myself. <laughs> like I'm getting my PhD, but I don't know if this is something I want to do forever and ever. It was just me fulfilling certain roles I needed in my family. It was a given. I was going to be a doctor. There was no questions about it from the minute I was born. And so, which made it quite easy for me in some regards. Um, but in other regards, it was like, wait, like, is this really what I want? I don't think so. Um, so yeah. Hmm. And I'm, I'm just curious about one thing you said before. You said traveling over large bodies of water is helping uh -huh. you to let go. So can you tell more about that? <laughs> I wonder. That's something um, one of my astrologers actually said. She was like, your whole life is marked by travel and traveling over large bodies of water and feeling myself out in different areas. Um, so just going very, very far. Um, has always helped me feel freer and be supported. And it feels like a migratory pattern that I'm doing. And as you've noticed, and me too, is it's like, wow, Bali is one of them. And India is one of them. Two places that I would have never foreseen before I was like California or Hawaii. But no, it's just like, no, I got to go further and further and further. <laughs> so for me, it's just a completely different continent that serves its healing. For me, I need a lot of space in order to work on my own. And a lot of the writing, all of the writing that you've pointed out, I wrote in Bali. So it's like that's, you resonate with the Balinese version of me. That's actually really yeah. interesting because it was a, I think they both were one of the first ones I read, um, read mm -hmm. from you. And the short one was definitely the first one ever because I remember that with a beautiful picture. And I might actually put it in the show notes with a link to that Instagram yeah, post please do. because I love yeah. it so much. And Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's also funny what you said about the you're never sure if the people actually read it. That's what I wonder too, because I can write longer captions and sometimes it's like, huh, are you just clicking on that picture because there's my face in it or 
yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> did, did yeah. you actually read what I wrote Yeah, and that's how I feel about a lot of things. But the beautiful piece is that I'm not writing for anyone. It's just, I'm just writing. And this is what I feel like sharing today. This is what I'm going through today. And this one person really resonates with it and contacts me. Or no one contacts me for two weeks. It's just like, wait, there's a lot of power in that to write just because I write. Or to practice just to practice, not because anyone's going to watch, not because it's just this is what feels right for me. So it's kind of taken a little bit of the pressure off of having to write something super meaningful or super political or super, yeah, I'm not trying to, now the pressure isn't on what I write or how I write it. Um, Now it's just like, I'm just sharing who I am and what I'm going through. And um, if you read several captions, they shift quite a bit. Some of them are quite deep. Others are quite like, this is me practicing. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I like that you read it, but I feel a lot of people don't. Just based on the comments they're saying, they're not reading it. But um, in general, I remember when I started learning about Instagram and using it as a business tool, is um, there's different ways people use Instagram, either as producers or consumers. And a big chunk is entertainment. A big, um, another chunk is information. Another chunk is inspiration. And it's like, where do I fit in? Um, and as a whole, I feel the pictures are entertaining. <laughs> mm-hmm. It could be educational in some regards, but for me, my writing seems to be much more inspirational. Like I'm much more interested in uplifting and sharing and being raw um, without oversharing. And I feel most comfortable and supported in that way. Mm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So um, just um, let me touch one more time on letting go of the past self and also letting go of this subconscious or social programming. So from your studies and your experience from yoga and your life experience, all of this, are there a few concrete tips you could share with the listeners? Um, I think a big portion would be a little bit more specific, like free myself from what? You know, it's just like, is it a particular relationship? Is it a belief system? Is it, what is it? And then, um, is it actually affecting you in the moment? Um, again, I, I'd have to return to like a satsang I was sitting in that one of the people, one of the students said, okay, I get all of this. I get everything you're saying and I feel at peace. I feel calm. I feel free. I feel supported in your presence. The minute I go home, my wife is like this or my children don't respect me or my mother-in-law is like this. What do I do? And the teacher, Muji, It was like, is your partner here right now? No. Is your child here right now? No. Is your mother-in-law here right now? No. Well, then I don't see the problem. Like right now, feel what you feel. Mind is constantly wanting to grasp onto what will happen next or once I leave. But in the moment, you are free. In the moment, you're at peace. In the moment, you are here. Enjoy that. Enjoy why you have it and trust that when it's time to deal with that heaviness or that burden you deal with it. That's about it. It's just like you deal with it. It's yours to work with. Um, however you choose for me, it's been realizing that everything in my life is a choice and 
it's my ter- it's I choose if I'm going to act or not. I'm not a victim of circumstance. Um, of course, there's accidents that happen, and I don't get to choose who makes accidents on me or who hurts me. But I can choose how I respond to it. Um, within like Buddhist texts, it was talking um, about how, let's say you're cold in the morning, and you're very very cold, and the hot water doesn't work, and whatever, whatever, whatever. You move on with life. You work. When you're truly like get it, you don't spend the rest of your day having been cold. Now you're warm, and you stay warm. You stay where you are in the present. So a lot of the turbulence and a lot of the discomforts happening from not being here in the moment. Whatever issue is going on, is it actually going on in the present moment? If it isn't, let it go. And when it's time to deal with it, you'll deal with it. Now, if that's too abstract, one actual thing that I do is if I have to make a decision about something and I'm not sure which way I'm going to go, for a day or two, I say yes to myself. And it's yes, I'm going to say yes to this opportunity or yes to this relationship or yes to this whatever. And I sit with it. And I don't tell anyone anything. And I see how my body responds. I see if I get anxiety, if I get depressed, if I get excited. And then the next day, I do the complete opposite. And I, I take on the no, I'm actually not going to do it. And usually within five to 10 minutes, I can tell which one I want. So for me, it's a lot of just being sure and trusting myself. Um, and making those decisions behind the scenes without asking for input. And if I were to ask for input, it'd be to my really close friends. And sometimes I'm very open and I just ask, I tell my friend, I'm having a difficult time with this. And a lot of my friends, like I said, are different than me. So they're like, why are you having difficulty? This is like a dream come true for you. Or a lot of my friends make things seem easy (laughs) that for me are difficult. So one would be be in the present. Two would be make a decision and don't tell anyone what your decision is and see how you sit with it. And three is go ahead and ask someone you love (laughs) and be like, I'm really confused about this. Um, Yeah. These are all great tips. And I love what you were saying. Just sit and feel how it, how it resonates with your body. And it's that gut feeling. I think a lot of the time Mm -hmm. we know if something's right or wrong, but we still like try to wrap our head around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one last question before we wrap up. It's about travel and balance. Just off the record, we were talking about how I was really jet-lagged this time. How do you keep your balance and freedom while traveling, but also any tips on avoiding jet lag or just feeling good and healthy? <laughs> okay, I'll start with the last question. Feeling good and healthy and avoiding jet lag. Um, when I travel to Bali from Washington, DC, it's somewhere between 28 and 32 hours of travel time. And the time difference is 12 hours. So it's exactly the opposite. Um, in general, when I have big travel like that, I fast. And so I don't eat on the trip. I might drink water or of course, if I want to eat something, I'll eat something. But as a whole, I don't, I don't eat the airplane food, um, and I just sleep. I'm really annoying to travel with. I sleep through anything, anytime, all the time. My sister hated traveling with me. She would be like, wake up. Please just talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no issues sleeping. But in general, I fast. I drink a lot of water. And 
Um, I usually plan my trip to land around 4 p.m. to midnight. Somewhere after 4 p.m. is when I usually try to land. That way I can just like shower and eat if I want or shower and go straight to bed. Um, And the cool thing with my practice is that technically one would practice at six in the morning. And so if I wake up, I could practice um, or just lay around. So that's that. And good and healthy as a whole, I try to just drink a lot of water and eat similarly to home. For me now with my health, I don't consume sugar as much or much grains. I, it's mostly animal protein and liquids and plants. Um, I don't do much starches or sugar. And then how do I keep my balance is my practice. I will move every day. Um, I sleep comfortably. And um, I only travel to places I want. And now I've been cutting down my travel. So I'm not going to travel for months and months at a time. I'll travel for two weeks here and come home. I have a puppy now. So I come home and hang out with him and I teach here in D.C. Um, And so now my travel is much more focused. But the interesting thing is when uh, a few people who are very different than me would say, oh, you're one of those like ungrounded yogis who travels all the time. I was like, no, 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 no. Grounded looks very different for me. For me to be grounded is in myself, in my practice, in my diet, in my life, in my writing. All of this keeps me who I am. (laughs) I don't forget who I am. I feel like I'm a plant being like shifted from one bowl to another. It's not that I don't have roots or I don't remember where I'm coming from. So for me, I, I stay grounded within the movement. Within, I also have breath work practice. I do resonance breathing. And yeah, so nutrition, breath work, movement, sleep, and just really loving what I do. I think that's a big portion is I love all of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you feel good, it it just helps getting over jet lag or just settling in way faster than... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then for me, like when I was up at three in the morning or four in the morning randomly, it was like I wasn't resisting it. I wasn't like, man, I'm up at three, I'm up at four, I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. No, I was just like, hmm, I wonder what chapter I will go and read my book or I would color or I would just lay in bed and not be upset that I was awake. That's the other piece is like with different relationships. I'm like, I don't get upset if I wake up in the middle of the night. I don't have feelings about it. And some of my friends who do wake up or do think they have insomnia have feelings about it. And they get really upset that they're awake yet again. <laughs> For me, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to lay back down and it'll be okay. Oh, um, such a great attitude. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I apply it, but I think most of the time I'm like, wow, it's already two o'clock. I have to sleep. I have to sleep. And of course, then you can't sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just trust it's all going to balance itself out. I'm not scared of being tired. You know, it's just like I've been tired many times. And I've been refreshed many times. It's all good. Um, I'll just be, I'll just be really tired tomorrow, and I'll figure it out tomorrow. So, mm, yeah. Now I have these four quick questions. Um, what's it for you, summer or winter? What's your favorite season? <laughs> I'm annoying. I, I was like fall. I really like fall. I really like autumn. Um, summer was the first like 25 years of my life. I love, I'm from the Caribbean. I'm from Puerto Rico. So summer 
over winter for sure. But if it was all of them, I'd choose fall, autumn. <laughs> mm, cool. Yeah. Um, and what's your favorite country to travel to or a country that you really, um, that really inspires you? At this point, it's Indonesia, Bali. I absolutely love it. If that's so, like we've talked about it nonstop. I was really impressed with Portugal, by the way. I mm -hmm. haven't made it back, but I knew I would come back, go back to Portugal. I loved Portugal. It's so laid back, I think. Mm -hmm. And who's the person who inspired you lately and why did he or she inspire you? Hmm. I will have to say the community. So the community right now within Washington, D.C. is just phenomenal. Um, I started teaching the Mysore program in September, so not too long ago, with the idea that maybe zero to five people would show up or six to 10 or 11 to 15. We had like payment ideas. Um, and now I have 25 people who are showing up every single day just doing their work. And for me, it's just like I get to be front row and center watching people do their best and actually um, invest in themselves and actively critically think about what they're doing and why they're doing it and trust me and ask me about it. And so I feel very inspired and seen and useful. Um, and so, yeah, DC community is really inspiring me right now. It's just like, whoa, there's, there's a lot of potential here in every aspect. And it's so diverse in ages, in cultures and languages and physical abilities, physical interests is just phenomenal. It makes me very happy. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. One last question. Do you have an ultimate freedom song? Um, I might have a full on playlist and it Ooh, would include even like, <laughs> it would include like Madonna from the nineties. It would include a bit of like rusted root, like steel pulls, Bob Marley. Um, so it would be a full on playlist and I already have it. It's called cosmic love. <laughs> I just keep adding to it. Oh, Anytime there's like a song that makes me really happy and I drive with the windows down kind of vibe. Oh, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I love that. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I loved to connect today. That's so great. Thank because you so that's much. the first yeah. time we really interacted. We only have been texting and, and writing emails. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. thanks so much okay. for your time and for sharing. Yeah, everything. thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very grateful. For me, this episode definitely holds transformative potential and I hope it does for you as well. If you feel inspired after listening, please share the love with friends and other freedom lovers and leave a five-star rating and a review if you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And as always, feel free to share your thoughts with me and what you'd like to hear more of. Thanks so much and until next time.